You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Good Thursday afternoon. Welcome to Packers Total Access. I'm your host, Clayton Bailey. You can check us out on Packernet.com. You can find me on Twitter at Packers underscore access. If you want to email the show, you got a question or a comment, you can do so by sending a message to Packer, Packers Total Access at gmail.com, and we will uh, respond as soon as we can. And we've actually got an email uh, from a listener today that we're going to answer about Donald Driver. I'm excited about that. And then also, we're going to do something a little bit different. You know, this time of the year, there's a lot of chatter. You know, we're getting ready to enter training camp, and and everybody's putting out their season previews, and and everybody's, you know, talking about, you know, the the booms and the busts and and, and all the hot takes. This is It's definitely hot take season. And I know Ryan and the guys have been having a good time with that here at uh, Packernet Podcast. And uh, one of the traditions I have, and I've been doing this since I was a kid, guys, There, uh, there's always, you know, season preview magazines that you can get in the store, right? And, uh, you know, most people don't bother buying them because you can pretty much get access to anything online. You know, I mean, you, you don't have to pay for publications anymore, right? Well, it's something that's just become a tradition for me, and I continue to buy them, right? I get it every year. And my favorite one currently is uh, Athlon Sports, if you haven't heard of them. Um, I think they do an excellent job of going in-depth. I think they do, uh, you know, a great mix of writing a good article as well as giving you all the information like, you know, who's running the team, who owns it, who's the general manager, what stadium do they play at, what's the capacity, what kind of turf do they play on, what's the team website. You want to buy tickets, they have a number for that. Where do they have training camp at? Um, you know, all that stuff, head coach, offensive coordinator, defensive coordinator, quarterbacks, coach, running backs, coach, on and on and on and on. I just really love how it's put together. But they do a nice little piece where they write an article and kind of give you a preview. You know, they break it down uh, general, generally, then they go offense, they go defense, they go specialist, and then final analysis. And then they give a little scouting the Packers where I believe it's a, a team, another team's scout actually will talk about that team and, and kind of how to look at them. And, and how they may, uh, you know, kind of anticipate the team doing. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to take the time to read that for you guys and uh, just bring you into a, it's It's slow time, you know, we're, we're to four episodes a week now, and I thought it'd be really cool to get kind of a national outlook outside of all the talking heads and look into to something that you guys, I, I just about guarantee you if you're hearing my voice, you probably haven't read this article. So let's just kind of dive into that. So we're going to cover uh, the listener email, and then we're going to do that, and we're going to wrap this big bear up. Now, before we jump into all that, I do want to say this. <clears throat> Our giveaway is still on. Um, we're giving away one indoor club seat to the Packers-Rams 
Monday Night Football giveaway, okay? Um, basically, that Monday Night Football game on December 19th, um, we, we have one ticket we're giving away. It's $500 in value, front row, indoor club seats, out of the elements, um, plenty of leg room, right on the glass. It's it's really, really cool environment. Um, they, they actually uh, bring around drinks and, and, uh, and food and things like that that you can buy right from your seat. You don't even have to get up. There's access to TVs. If you need to use a restroom, trust me, these restrooms are way nicer than the ones down in the bowl. <laughs> and I understand the ones down in the bowls are part of the experience. I've been there. I think I've watched six games now inside the bowl. And uh, But anyway, we're going to be doing that, and we're also giving away a VIP tailgate pass. Okay, And what that is, there's a tailgate party that's going to be at a sports bar right down the street from Lambeau, literally 100 yards from Lambeau Field. And uh, all you can eat, all you can drink, three hours before the games, the doors open. You'll have inside access. We've got the VIP tickets as opposed to the standard, so you can go inside. Um, and uh, big screens everywhere. You're going to be able to watch the 4 o'clock games, the 3 o'clock games if you're in Central Time, and just kind of relax before you go in and watch Monday Night Football, right? And it's just a really cool experience. That is $75 in value, so a total of $575 in value. Here's how you enter the contest. You go to my my Twitter page, which is at Packers underscore access. I want you to find the pinned tweet that talks about this uh, this giveaway. Retweet that tweet. And make sure you're following the account, and that'll enter you into the contest, okay? And what we're going to do is uh, right around uh, the preseason time, you know, uh, August, somewhere around August 5th, maybe the second or third week in August, we're going to do the drawing and announce the winner. And you will be attending that game with myself. Uh, my wife will be with me, as well as uh, Jacob from Packernet Podcast will be there. Some of his family's looking at dropping in. I know Sam Holman, who does Wisconsin Sports Heroics, does an excellent job with his podcast here on the Packernet Podcast uh, Network. He'll be down inside the bowl, so we're probably going to meet up before the game, get a picture together. You'll get a chance to meet all of us and just kind of hang out. So make sure you enter yourself into that sweepstakes. And also um, something that Ryan's doing is if you're looking for advertising, we have some spots open right now with the with the network. And he's basically offering uh, a really good deal to uh, to listeners, okay? He wanted to give back to the listeners the way that they've given to us. And, uh, and really, you know, when it comes to advertising on podcasts, whether it's for a large business or a small business, that stuff is really, really expensive. Even if you just got an event that you want to promote, um, you know, it's another way to, uh, to get the word out like that. Reach out to Ryan because I'm telling you, he's going to make you a really, really good deal on advertising right now. And, and we're running great numbers. Uh, according to him, better numbers than he ever has in the offseason. A short time ago, he wasn't running this good of, uh, you know, listener numbers even during the season. Right, so things are, have really turned up for Packernet Podcast, and he just wants to give people an opportunity to maximize the fact that there's a lot of uh, a lot of ears out there listening to the podcast, and you can do some advertising there. So, with that being said, let's jump right into the listener email. And I apologize, uh, I've got a little bit of allergy issue going on right now. The weather broke down here; it was really nice. It was in the upper 70s for a few days, and as much as I love that weather, man, oh man, did did everything kind of pop and. Uh, and now here I am with a, a stuffy nose, probably sounding like a moron, but we're gonna we're gonna muscle through this. But here's the the uh, listener email. It comes from Jake H, one uh, two. He says, "Hey Clayton, two words: Donald Driver. Is he a Hall of Famer?" And I'm sure he's meaning the two words being Donald Driver and not Donald Driver. Is he a Hall of Famer? Of course, he could be from Kentucky like me, and uh, not understand the English language very good, but. When, when this question was posed, 
my immediate response was probably what yours was. No way. I love driving. I'm I'm as big a Donald Driver fan as you're going to find, right? Uh, I got I had the unique opportunity of watching the majority of his career. I became a Packer fan in 03, and obviously Driver got drafted in in 1999. And um he uh you know, obviously when he got drafted uh, out of the seventh round, he was an underdog, and everybody loves an underdog story. Well, I came around in 03, and Driver was starting to kind of peak. You know, I believe, if I remember correctly, he had already had 1,000-yard re- uh, receiving, uh, you know, season, season, I should say. And uh, then he uh, he kind of took off from there, took a step back, I believe, in 03, but then everything just kind of blew up, and, and Driver kind of stepped into that very, very consistent role. But um, let's talk about Driver. But you know what? Let's kick this thing off right Let's start off with a, a huge play by the Donald Driver. This was in the NFC Championship game back in 07, and I will never forget this play, um, 90 yards to the house, and the biggest game of the season up to that point, obviously, uh, that would be uh, the end of the season. But, man, what a what a memory. And it's funny, the announcers, when you hear them talk about this play, it's it's a blown coverage. But if you watch the replay, it was not a blown coverage. The, the the corner, you know, those very, very aggressive defensive backs for the New York Giants um, tried to bump Donald Driver, tried to play press man at the line, and Driver literally just throws him like a rag doll and takes off upfield. So let's, let's take a listen here, and then we're going to dive into, uh, you know, whether or not Donald Driver is indeed a Hall of Famer. Offense that uh, generated so much a week ago has uh, been kept out in the cold this week. The Packers appear to be a team just looking for a spark here in this NFC Championship game. They're down 6-0. Or do they need to play here? Love it, man. What a play by Donald Driver there. Like I said, man, beating press, man, and uh, and just coming off the line and, I mean, just ragged on, completely ragged on the DB there for the Giants and, and going 90 yards. That was in the second quarter of that game. Huge, huge play. We all know how the game ended, but that's one of the plays that sticks out in my mind the most when it comes to Donald Driver. That and the San Francisco 49ers game, if you guys will remember, um, when he broke, I think it was six tackles. And uh, that pass came from Aaron Rodgers. So when you talk about that, you know, you know, it's easy to say, well, Brett Favre made driver. Okay, well, what about Aaron Rodgers? Did he too? Like when you have two different quarterbacks that you play for, and I know they're both first ballot Hall of Famers, there's there's something to be said for that, especially for a seventh-round pick. And let's just talk about Donald Driver for a minute. And we're going to discuss whether or not he tr- indeed, you know, is – a uh, NFL Hall of Famer. Okay, obviously he was undersized, six foot one ninety four, right? He was uh, went to college at Alcorn State, and uh, emailer, uh, you know, listener just the other day talked about that. You know, him coming from such a small school. Here's his career stats, guys: seven hundred and forty three receptions for ten thousand one hundred and thirty seven receiving yards, 
with 61 touchdowns. Okay, I'm going to say that again. 743 catches, 10,137 yards, and 61 touchdowns. Like, that's a phenomenal career. And, and you know, i got to be honest. When, when this question was asked to me by the emailer, my first initial response was, no, Driver isn't a Hall of Famer. No way. Right? I mean, that's, that's just that's the first thing that popped in my mind. Well, when you go back and look at it, let's look at the key statistics. First of all, you know what they say. Well, you got to have a ring. If you don't have I me, mean, very few players get in to the Hall of Fame and not have a Super Bowl ring, right? Well, he's a three-time Pro Bowler, and yes, he is a Super Bowl champion in 2010. Okay, so he's got his ring, multiple Pro Bowl years, right? Okay, you're probably saying, well, his stats. I mean, how does his stats stack up to other Hall of Famers? Okay, I just told you, 10,137 receiving yards, right? He's 49th in the entire history of the NFL. He is in the top 50 for receiving yards. Now, let's just rattle off a couple of names here and tell me if they sound familiar. Some of them are tight ends, but still, let's put this into perspective. He has more receiving yards than these Hall of Famers I'm going to mention. Shannon Sharp, Raymond Berry, Charlie Taylor. Harold Carmichael, here's one, Fred Bolitnikoff, John Stallworth from the Pittsburgh Steelers. You guys know John Stallworth played a long time. Let's see here. He played from 1974 to 1987. What is that, 13 years? So don't give me that, oh, he didn't play that long. He had more receiving. He had, he had 2,000 more receiving yards than John Stallworth. Another Hall of Famer, Cliff Branch. Here, here's a name. He's not a Hall of Famer, but Jordy Nelson. If somebody had told me that Donald Driver had over two or right at 2,000 yards more receiving than Jordy Nelson, I would have laughed at him. But he did. Okay. Next, Paul Warfield, Hall of Famer. Let's go on down the line here. Tommy McDonald, Hall of Famer. Here's one. Everybody's making the argument for Sterling Sharp, right? And I know he did have a short career, right? I, I, played, I think he played six years, but he's got over 2,000 yards receiving more than Sterling Sharp. Devontae Adams. Now, we know Devontae Adams isn't done yet, right? Devontae Adams has 8,121 receiving yards. Donald Driver has over 10 grand. Let's go on down here. Here's one, Don Hudson. More receiving yards than Don Hudson. Ozzie Newsome, Bobby Mitchell, Jackie Smith, Drew Pearson. Everybody knows who Drew Pearson is. Bob Hayes from the Dallas Cowboys of the 60s and 70s. I mean, you could go on and on, guys. That's receiving yards. You go, okay, well, he racked up some yards. Yeah, he played the slot, blah, blah, blah. But how many catches did he actually have? I'm glad you asked. Let's go to catches. He is 43rd, tied for 43rd in the history of the National Football League with 743 catches. Okay, well, what Hall of Famers did he have more catches than? How about Calvin Johnson with 731? Let's go on down the line here. Ozzie Newsome, Charlie Taylor again, Raymond Berry, Don Maynard, Ladanian Tomlinson. I know it was a running back, but you guys know if you if you played fantasy during Ladanian Tomlinson's uh, career, uh, you know career, he was just a monster in the passing game. Sterling Sharp, Harold Carmichael, Fred Bolitnikoff, Marcus Allen. These are all Hall of Famers that I'm listening. I forget the great players I'm passing up here. Lance Allworth, Kellen Winslow Sr. 
John Stallworth again. So he's got more receiving yards and more receptions than Hall of Famer John Stallworth. Think about that. I mean, Cliff Branch, Tommy McDonald, Drew Pearson again. I mean, it's it's phenomenal. I, I was blown away when I looked at these numbers. All right, let's go to receiving touchdowns. You go, okay, well, how how you know how many times did he get in the end zone? Glad you asked. He's tied for 84th all-time NFL with 61 receiving touchdowns. Here are the Hall of Famers he has more touchdown catches than. Well, let me go first right off the bat, John Stallworth. He only has two less receiving touchdowns than Hall of Famer John Stallworth. He beat him in receiving yards. He beat him in, beat him in receptions. And he's only got two less touchdowns than John Stallworth. Uh, let's see here. Uh, Elroy Hirsch. There's OBJ, by the way. He's got more uh, more receiving touchdowns than OBJ up to this point. Dave Casper, you guys know the ghost to the post, right, with the Raiders. Here's one. Lynn Swan, Pro Football Hall of Famer, 51 touchdowns. He lined up opposite of uh, John Stallworth for the Pittsburgh Steelers. So Driver has – let's look at that number again one more time. He has 10 more touchdown catches than Lynn Swan. Lenny Moore, Drew Pearson, Ozzie Newsom, Kellen Winslow again, Frank Gifford, on and on and on. Jackie Smith. I mean, it's I'm looking at the numbers, and, and here's the thing. He's got the Super Bowl ring, multiple Pro Bowls, was definitely an overachiever being drafted in the seventh round. Everybody loves an underdog, right? He has more receiving yards than very, very notable Hall of Famers, more receptions than them, and more receiving touchdowns than them. I mean, when you look at that, in my opinion, the only way that I feel like Donald Driver should not be in the Hall of Fame, the Pro Football Hall of Fame, is because there's such a backlog of wide receivers. That's it. And and that's something that's probably going to hurt him moving forward, you know, as far as ever being nominated. But, you know, there's a lot of people that thought that Leroy Butler would never get in, and here we are celebrating that accomplishment this year, right? So, um, yeah, to answer your question there, uh, Jake, I believe, well, yeah, Jake H. Jake, ha okay, yeah, Jake. Yeah, man, um, I got to be honest. When you asked the question, I thought, no way, dude. But what else is there? Like, seriously, again, he's got the Pro Bowls. He's got the Super Bowl ring. He's got the stats that that definitely put him right there in the ballpark of being a Hall of Famer. And for all the people that wanted to keep Terrell Owens out of the Hall of Fame for the way he acted, how he was a selfish player and all the antics and all that, Donald Driver, you cannot make that argument with him. I mean, you're not going to find a more classy – individual than Donald Driver. So uh yeah man Jake, thank you so much for the email man. That was uh that was a lot of fun. And again, I came away very very surprised. So I'll, I want to hear you guys sound off. Let me know, do you think Donald Driver should be considered as a Pro Football Hall of Famer? Okay? I'm not saying it's a slam dunk. Obviously, if it, if it were, he would have been a first ballot or at least been nominated by then. I'm not saying that at all. All I'm saying is if he isn't a Hall of Famer, What's the criteria then? Because I, I, I'm telling you, 
catches, receiving yards, receiving touchdowns, Pro Bowls, Super Bowl ring, end of discussion. So that's a bit of your history segment for this episode, a little bit different. You know, it's a little more current, a little more statistic-based, but I thought it would be worth covering. And again, Jake, thank you for the email. But let's take us a quick commercial break, pay some bills, and we'll be right back to uh, to talk about this Athlon Sports preview for this year's Green Bay Packers. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now, introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy Slab Packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son, and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. All right, here we go, guys. Let's, let's dive into this preview by Athlon Sports. I'm not going to bore you with all of the, the nerd stuff that I like that I was talking about, all the coaches, the organization, all that all that type of stuff. Um, they do a great job of breaking down the rankings along with the schedule. But I'm going to read the article, okay? And it kind of breaks each uh, um, each uh, position group, I guess you could say, down each unit, you know, offense, defense, however you, know, however you want to word it. But here we go. Matt LaFleur didn't appear to be offended, but maybe he should have been. As he enters his fourth season as the Green Bay Packers head coach, LaFleur is one of NFL's brightest young offensive-minded coaches with a four-time NFL MVP and future Pro Football Hall of Famer at the controls of the, his innovative scheme. So when it was suggested to him after April's NFL draft in which general manager Brian Gutekunst added a pair of first-round defenders and waited until the second round to get the seventh wide receiver to come off the board, that the Packers might be more of a grinded-out, defensive-oriented, run-the-ball outfit this season. LaFleur merely smiled, quote, It's all about winning games. I don't care if we score 10 points or 40 points. It's about getting that W. Bottom line, LaFleur replied, We're going to play to whatever strength we have. If you have to run the ball 40 times in a game, then you do what you have to do. But certainly, 
I don't think we necessarily have to do that here, especially when you have a quarterback of the caliber that we have. We'll do whatever it takes to win, though, bottom line. How can you not like Matt LaFleur? Like, everything that Matt LaFleur says, he, he's a leader. He does it in a humble way. He does it, you know, one of the one of the biggest uh, – God, what am, I, what am I trying to say here? One of the most underappreciated leadership uh, traits is someone being uh, humble and less guarded, lower in the walls. Because when you show vulnerability, that's when you really lower other people's walls. When you show them, hey, look, here's here's something that 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 kind of bothers me, or here's something that I'm weak at, and I need to get better at. It makes it, it creates this environment for you know that's just conducive for growth all the way across the board. I just love Matt Lafleur. I love everything he represents. A year removed from Aaron Rodgers' off season of discontent, he now. Uh, has a new contract and a renewed commitment to a team that now includes him in key decision-making conversations. After back-to-back MVP seasons, the 38-year-old Rodgers is showing no signs of slowing down, although his recent playoff performance has drawn increased scrutiny. Especially disappointing was the team's season-ending 13-10 loss to the San Francisco 49ers, a game that, despite their mistake-prone special teams, game-changing gaffes, the Packers should have should have won given that the defense didn't allow a touchdown and the Packers had such a big advantage at quarterback. I mean, that's that's something I forget about from time to time. They did not allow, allow a single touchdown that entire playoff game against the 49ers. The, the Packers defense did not. And we talked about a couple episodes ago just how high the San Francisco offense was rated, was graded by PFF for the entire season. They were a top three offense, I believe, as far as PFF offensive grades go. But it says, instead, after back-to-back-to-back 13-win seasons, the Packers are now a dozen years removed from their last Super Bowl title. And to win another, they'll have to do it without one of their great greatest wide receivers in team history, Devontae Adams. One of the greatest, but keep in mind, like we just mentioned, Donald Driver, 2,000 more receiving yards than Devontae Adams. Just saying. Whom they traded to the Las Vegas, Vegas Raiders in March, creating the offensive concerns that even Matt LaFleur and Rodgers acknowledged are understandable. Quote, you just got to have some faith in the organization, Rodgers says. I'm going to put some time, I'm going to put in the time to make it work with those guys and we're going to find a way in Matt's offense to be successful like we always have. It's not going to be any different this year. We're going to be in the mix. All right, so now here comes the offensive segment. While no one seems to want to cop cop to any cause and effect, there's no denying how great Rodgers has been since the 2020 first-round selection of his potential replacement, Jordan Love. In those two seasons, Rodgers has completed 69.8% of his passes for 8,414 yards with 85 touchdowns and nine interceptions. So since we drafted Jordan Love, and lit that fire under Rodgers. He has thrown 85 touchdowns and only nine interceptions. And there are people that were saying, we need to move on. It's time to, I don't understand it. But anyway, passer rating of 116.7. But how much Adams' absence will impact his production is among the biggest question of the entire 2022 NFL season. I got to hit pause there and say they're undefeated without Adams in the lineup under Matt LaFleur. All right, let's hit play again. On his way to his second straight first-team All-Pro selection, Adams set franchise records for receptions with 123 and receiving yards with 1553 in a single season. Now, they say that like that is just phenomenal, and it is, right? 123 catches, 1,553 yards receiving. Donald Driver, 
actually had three consecutive seasons where he had twelve more than 1,200 yards receiving. I mean, think about that, right? I hate to keep going back to the Donald Driver segment, but man, this has blown me away. I did not expect to come away from looking into that segment and doing the research going, is Driver really a Hall of Famer? Because I would have, I would have never thought it going in. But just to kind of compare that right there, like I said, three consecutive seasons of 1,200 yards or more. Here, Devontae Adams had a, a season with 1,553 yards receiving, and they're talking like it's one of the, one of the greatest ever, and rightfully so, right? Um, and no wide receiver in football has caught more passes, 581 for more yards, 7,192, and more touchdowns, 69, since the start of the 2016 season than Adams. Not only must the Packers fill that void, but downfield specialist Marquez Valdez-Scantling left for the Kansas City Chiefs in free agency. And Equinemius St. Brown, who played 846 regular season offensive snaps in Green Bay, bolted for the Chicago Bears. That means holdovers Alan Lazard and Randall Cobb, veteran addition uh, Sammy Watkins, and rookie draft picks Christian Watson, Romeo Dobbs, and Samori Torre are tasked with picking up the slack. Complicating matters is, is un, uncertainty at tight end where Robert Tunyon's productivity dropped before he tore his ACL in his left knee in October, an injury that makes his availability for the start of the season a huge question. A huge question, I agree, but all reports are coming out now that they're saying Tunyon might be ready for week one. So that's a, a cool little update there. I hope it's true, but at the same time, you know, don't, don't rush him back for sure. Um, 38-year-old Mercedes Lewis isn't getting any younger, and third-year man Josiah DeGuara flashed at times last season but remains inconsistent. Perhaps that'll lead LaFleur to lean more heavily on running backs Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon, who combined for not only 1,602 rushing yards, but also 86 receptions for 704 receiving yards and 17 total touchdowns. They surely can carry the offensive load if asked. Up front, five-time All-Pro left tackle David Bakhtiari's left knee issues remained an off-season worry, and with left guard turned left tackle Elton Jenkins working his way back from his own ACL injury, his status is unclear too. At a vacancy at right tackle following veteran Billy Turner's release and the versatile line that overcame so many injuries the past two years is in flux as well. Now, back to Billy Turner. You guys know Billy Turner, in my opinion, was highly overpaid. I mean, yes, he started quite a few games, but if you guys remember, PFF had him graded horrible every single year that I remember. I think he was in the 60s every single year. And for starting tackle money, I'm sorry, that just that doesn't mix well. Let's move on to the defense. Defense coordinator Joe Barry arrived with a questionable resume. We talked about that in the past, right? But his guys got the job done more often than not last season. Now, with, with season savers Devondre Campbell and Rasul Douglas back for another tour and talent at every level, which will be expected in year two. Up front, nose tackle Kenny Clark remains one of the league's best at the position, and now he's got help in veteran Jerron Reed and rookie Devontae Wyatt, uh, the second of the Packers' two first-round draft picks. Two-time Pro Bowl edge rusher Zadarius Smith, who had 144 pressures, 26 sacks in 2019 and 2020, barely played last season and was released in, in a cost-cutting move. Um, that leaves veteran Preston Smith and 2019 first-round pick Rashawn Gary as the starters, and with next to no proven depth behind them, they'll have to be outstanding and durable. 
This right here is one of the biggest worries we have this year. Now, obviously, we went out and drafted in Nagmar, right? And uh, let's hope that he can kind of work his way into the rotation. You had Jonathan Garvin that showed a little bit last year. I think he finished in the PFF grade in the 60s, which isn't horrible. You know, it's serviceable. Now, also keep in mind this. With Kenny Clark kind of trimming down, obviously he's not going to play edge defender. But is that going to spell um, Preston Smith from time to time? And what I mean by that is, what if they do come out and their four-man front has three down linemen and one one edge rusher standing up? Obviously there's going to be four rushers. It's somewhat of like a 3-4 under look, but out of a nickel formation. What if they do something like that and you have uh, you know, Kenny Clark lining up at right end, right? And you have on the opposite side Rashawn Gary on the left. And then you got Devontae Wyatt in the middle with Dean Lowry and maybe Jerron Reed, whoever, you know, has got the hot hand at the moment. Obviously, anybody but T.J. Slayton because he's just not an effective pass rusher at this point in his career. But I think that with Kenny Clark slimming down, there's something there, guys. You know, Ryan talked about it. Several other podcasts have talked about it. There's something there on the surface that's kind of like, what are they looking to do with Kenny Clark? Are they looking to try to slide him out of that nose tackle role and let Jerron Reed maybe fill that void, or maybe they, they are so high on Devontae Wyatt that he could kind of come in with T.J. Slayton and play that traditional nose and really move Kenny around the defensive front to try to uh, grab some mismatches. I don't know. It's going to be fun to see, though. Um, inside, Campbell, a mid-June pickup who went from little-known little veteran to first-team All-Pro, tilted the field and earned himself a five-year, $50 million contract. First-round pick Quay Walker should give the Packers something – they haven't had since switching to the 34 defense at 09. Two inside linebackers who who never have to leave the field. You know, something else that was being talked about earlier, and I can't remember what podcaster was talking about it, but he was talking about, you know, what what if they try to leave Quay Walker on the field with that athleticism and, and really leave him on the field more often to kind of play coverage? And and I got to thinking about that, and I'm like, man, what if what if they do play, you know, like a dollar look or a dime look, and, and he's kind of one of the focal points? It could be. Maybe I'm thinking too high of Quay Walker. Obviously, it's way too early to, to make assumptions, but at the same time, there's just a, a little bit more versatility there than we've had, like they said, since since 09. So um, two, two inside linebackers who never have to leave the field. In the secondary, cornerback Jair Alexander, rising star, dimmed a bit last season because of a shoulder injury. But he is healthy and should return to form. I disagree with that. I don't think he dimmed it all. I really don't. I think he got hurt and he came back and, you know, it is what it is. Him getting hurt is, you know, he he, he got injured and there's no reason to think that Jair is not going to be the same player. There really isn't. Now, do I think he'll perform in the 90s uh, as far as PFF grade like he did that last year that he started the entire year? I think that's a stretch. But I do think he could finish in the 80s and the upper 80s too and still be on that borderline if not elite. So, I think Jair is going to be just fine. With 2021 first-round pick Eric Stokes and Douglas, a midseason pickup who led the team with five interceptions, including two that he returned for touchdowns, the Packers' top three cover men might make up the best trio in the entire league. How does that sound, fellas? It was just a short time ago that our corners were horrible. And I'm telling you, I remember – for so long, it being a thing that, God, they just don't have any good corners. And they go out and sign Charles Woodson and kind of, you know, flip that around, right? And then Charles obviously leaves. And, and then now look at what you've got here in Jair Alexander. It's just so so many times that we would look up and, and cornerback was just kind of being 
neglected, you know, for the longest time. And and maybe I'm remembering it wrong, but that's just kind of how my mind <clears throat> has shifted. It's kind of like middle linebacker. For so long after A.J. Hawk, it was, we need a middle linebacker. We need a middle linebacker. We need a middle linebacker. And they took a couple swing on draft picks here and there. And then lo and behold, what do they do? Well, they actually drafted, or I'm sorry, they signed Christian Kirksey that one year because that was, you know, Mike Pettin's go-to guy. He was supposed to be this big. Oh, and Mike Pettin's defense is going to be unbelievable. Huge flop. But then they, they signed Devondre Campbell. It's just amazing how times have changed because I remember back when corner and middle linebacker was a big, ugh, you know. And now it's two of the big strengths of this defense. A middle linebacker, in my opinion, is way more important than corner. I'm sure a lot of people disagree with me, but I just I kind of look at middle linebacker as being, um, you know, in that top tier on defense. Defensive tackle, middle linebacker, free safety are what I think are top tier defensive uh, positions. Let's go on to specialists. Veteran kicker Mason Crosby missed more field goal attempts, which were nine total, than anyone else in the league. So I didn't know that. So Mason had the most misses in the entire league last year. That's interesting. But with veteran punter Pat O'Donnell on board to serve as his holder, the Packers anticipate a bounce back year. The real question is how much of the new special teams coordinator, Rich Bisaccia, the former Raiders interim head coach, can improve the Packers' abysmal units who were bad even before their playoff meltdown. Now, when it comes to the Crosby misses, um, I think you got to chalk up at least half of them to the holder and the, and the what they call the uh, not the process, but the uh, I can't remember the term they use, but basically the process of the snap, how the laces hit, um, uh, how the holder you know controls the ball, where he sits it, whether it's whether it's the tilt, whether it's the laces in or out, side, however Crosby likes it. Um, I think it's a, a pretty safe assumption to say that had the uh, the whole uh, process of field goals and extra points um, had been clean last year and it would just been on Crosby, he probably probably wouldn't have missed more than five kicks. I mean, I really believe that. I think Mason is still accurate. You hear about it in pregame, and I know pregame's totally different than when the games when you're you know you got bullets flying at you and the game's on the line and all that. But uh, I'm really excited to see what Pat O'Donnell can do and, and how Rich Bisaccia can jerk a knot in this special teams units, you know what, and, and get things squared away. So final analysis. While the demise of the Packers' Adams-less Adams offense might wind up being greatly exaggerated, there's no doubt the further investments into the defense have raised expectations for that side of the ball to heights not seen since the 2010 Super Bowl team in Rodgers' third year as the starter. If the defense is as good as advertised, maybe another title is indeed in reach. Love that write-up. I thought it was very, very fair. I think they, they pointed out the positives. They pointed out the negatives. They talked about the uncertainties. Um, I just love this publication, and, and I really like to sit down and and uh, and read all of these on each team and, and kind of get a better grab of, okay, what what's the expectations for each ball club, you know? And uh, so let's go on to the, the last part here. Scouting the Packers is what it says. It says, opposing scouts size up Green Bay. Aaron Rodgers' returns, uh, return is fairly anticlimactic. I never thought he was serious about retiring or a trade. It's funny, nobody was saying that back then because it was being reported everywhere that Rodgers has done in Green Bay. He wants money and attention, and he got both of them. Okay, we're getting a little spicy here. All right. This this might be our our, uh, our listener from New York there that's <laughs> that wrote this article. Um, all of that said, Rodgers is the man. Nobody makes the kind of throws and plays that he does. Undoubtedly, they'll miss Devontae Adams' presence and MVS. 
they said Christian Watson is a really good receiver receiver prospect. I think he's going to help them as soon as this year. I think Alan Lazard is pretty good too. Randall Cobb, Randall Cobb is just a placeholder. They need to get Romeo Dobbs ready. David Bakhtiari's health worries me. It's a legitimate concern. Elton Jenkins is one of the best right tackles around. Check the film. Robert Tunyon is going to have a bounce back. Is going to bounce back from the knee injury strong. He's a hard worker. The extra work that Rashawn Gary has put in with Michigan State assistant Brandon Jordan has paid off in a major way. He's a really good all-around player now. Kenny Clark is a bull inside. By drafting Devontae Wyatt, the Packers got themselves another talented guy for the front seven. They double-dipped Georgia guys with the linebacker Quay Walker. That defense was worth adding from. Devondre Campbell finds the ball fast, and he can tackle very well. Lots of range. This secondary is loaded with talent. Jair Alexander is outstanding at anticipating where the football is going. Russell Douglas, man, what a story. To bounce around the way he did and make so many big plays for the team last year, this is a really good safety tandem too with Darnell Savage and Adrian Amos. Again, another fair scouting assessment there. The thing that I would disagree on there, um, really, I don't. I, I wouldn't say I disagree with it. I was going to say Darnell Savage, but you know, it's a really good safety tandem. I think that's an accurate statement. You know, Adrian Amos is an excellent football player. Uh, Darnell Savage has underperformed you know, last year, but he showed flashes early in his career. So I think to say that that safety tandem is quote-unquote good, I think that's pretty uh, pretty fair. So um, obviously key additions, it says cornerback Keyshawn Nixon, uh, punter Pat O'Donnell, defensive tackle Jerron Reed, wide receiver Sammy Watkins, key losses were wide receiver Devontae Adams, punter Corey Bewerquez, uh, inside linebacker Oren Burks, offensive lineman Lucas Patrick, Outside linebacker slash edge Zadarius Smith, wide receiver EQ, cornerback Chandon Sullivan, wide receiver MVS. None of those losses outside of Devontae Adams bothers me, guys. I mean, Zadarius Smith, if, if that back was healthy, of course we would want him back, but not for the price that we were going to have to pay. It just wasn't going to be worth it. So that I thought was a really, really cool article. Um, I don't like to read a lot on the air. I know it can get boring, but hopefully uh, we had it flow well enough that, uh, that, you know, it's something that, that didn't bore you too much. And you came away with a little more knowledge. I think, like I said, it was a very fair assessment. They don't give any like, uh, you know, uh, projected win total or anything like that, which is cool. But let's go here with the, uh, the Packers in the draft. They gave them a B plus. Let's just recap the draft real quick. Two first-round picks, Quay Walker and Devontae Wyatt, obviously inside linebacker and defensive tackle. Second-round pick, Christian Watson, wide receiver. Third-round pick, Sean Ryan, offensive line. Two fourth-round picks, and a wide receiver, Romeo Dobbs, and offensive lineman, Zach Tom. Uh, Fifth-round pick, uh, Kingsley and Agbar, outside linebacker slash edge rusher. Um, and then you have four seventh-round picks, safety Tariq Carpenter, defensive tackle Jonathan Ford, offensive lineman Rasheed Walker, wide receiver Samori Torre. It says, in Quay Walker and Devontae Wyatt, the Packers added their second and third ex-Bulldogs defenders in two years. Having drafted cornerback Eric Stokes in the first round a year earlier, uh, both should contribute right away as Stokes did. How much Christian Watson can do as a raw rookie with, with, an, uh, with an exacting detail-oriented veteran quarterback remains to be seen. Man, that's that's a really nice way of saying Rodgers is going to have him on a short leash. Uh, the same goes for Romeo Dobbs and Samori Torre. Meanwhile, with the offensive line needing more quality depth, Sean Ryan, Zach Tom, and Rashid Wal- Walker 
uh, will all get a chance to compete for a spot in in the two deep. Carpenter was picked with an eye on the team's troublesome special teams units, and we've talked about that uh, in the past there. So um, really cool article. I'm glad that we got to kind of dive into that. I think it's fun. Uh, for me, there's a lot of nostalgia there. Like I said, this is the same publication that I've always read since I was a kid. As far as I can remember, um, I always picked up the Athlon Sports season preview, and I thought it would be cool to kind of share that tradition with you guys. And, and uh, like I said, it's a little bit slow time. I know we have talked about all these topics on our podcast. I know Ryan has talked about the majority of them. You, you get this information from a lot of different people. I thought it would be cool to look at a national publication that's not named ESPN, NFL.com, PFF, uh, Football Outsiders, all of these different you know things that we always tend to lean on. Let's just kind of get a broad national look on it. So uh, here's the, the last thing I will say. Numbers to know. It says 87. That's uh, the Packers defenders missed 87 tackles last year. When I read that, I went, oh, wow, really? But that was second fewest in the entire NFL. So they were the second best tackling defense last year i'm telling you it makes a huge difference and it's obvious when they bring in joe barry the 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 main thing i wanted to know is why why are they bringing in joe barry and you know ryan did a great job of talking about this guy has a track record for working with linebackers lo and behold look at the tackle grade how it goes up and you heard when with jacob and i doing the week uh you know week to week recap you know we've done the self-scouting from last year uh you know that was the the big thing that stood out to me it seemed like week in and week out the positive, one of the positive things as far as PFF grades was definitely the tackling grade for the defense. So here's the next number. It says plus 3.3%. Aaron Rodgers finished third among qualified quarterbacks at plus, uh, it says plus 3.3% completion percentage against expected. Okay. Then it says 38.97. The Packers averaged the third most offensive yards per drive in the NFL at 38.97. So really cool. Um, appreciate you taking the time to uh, to sit through that. I know, like I said, a reading, reading can get boring, but I, hopefully we all came away with a little more information and, and kind of an idea of what to expect here uh, going into training camp. Okay, as we wrap this big bear up, I just want to throw a couple of notes out here. Um, you know, obviously there's huge construction going on at Lambeau Field. They said there's still, you know, multiple cranes out there in the parking lot where they're uh, constructing the underground parking facility there for the players and the coaches. And uh, they're looking to have that finished before the season starts, if I understood correctly. Um, they're trying to get that kind of squared away to a certain extent. But also, it is now official that one of the big uh, improvements for Lambeau Field will come next year, and they're actually replacing the video boards. So in 2023, for the 2023 NFL season next year, Lambeau Field will have a bit of a makeover, and they'll get brand-new state-of-the-art video boards there for each end zone in Lambeau Field. I'm really, really excited about that. You know, when I first heard that, it's like, didn't they just do the video boards not too long ago? And then I was listening to the Bill and Rookie Experience there, a local uh, sports talk show in Green Bay, one of my favorite listens. Those guys are awesome. Um, they said, no, it was actually 2012 was the last time they upgraded the video boards. I was like, holy cow, it's been 10 years already right? But that may that may sound minute, but I like to kind of keep up with that stuff and how Lambeau Field is changing and morphing. They're doing a lot of things with the concessions as well. You know, they raised, I think it was $67 million with shareholders. You know, if you bought stock like me, that money goes back into the team. They, they, can't, they can't use it um, for uh, for player salaries, which I think that's a really cool rule that the NFL voted and said, look, 
we're not going to start asking you know uh, asking fans to pay players salaries but they are allowed to use it for upgrading facilities and that's exactly what they're doing so if you did donate to that because that's what it is guys you're not you're not actually a stock owner a stockholder well you're a stockholder but you're not a quote-unquote owner of the team all packer fans are owners of the team because they're you know they're a publicly owned organization. Anyone who supports them, in my eyes, I've got two stocks, but that doesn't make me more of an owner than someone who doesn't have one. But what it is is an opportunity for people who who are a little more uh, you know a little more blessed, like not blessed, a little more uh, fortunate, you know, that that you can afford to 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 shell out a little bit of money and make a donation to the Packers and get just a cool piece of memorabilia. That's all it is. And, and and it's something that it's one of my proudest pieces of memorabilia, though, because every time I look at that stock, every time I look at that certificate, I think, yeah, man, what they built at Lambeau Field, I helped support that. What they've done with this organization, I've helped support it multiple times. I just think that's really, really cool. So um, if you've got a loved one that's a Packers fan and you want to blow their mind with a really cool gift, the next time they do a stock drive, man, jump on it because it's really, really cool. But um, again, just wanted to mention the video boards, kind of give you an update on Lambeau. Lambeau is one of the reasons that I'm a, a Packer fan through and through, man. I just love that stadium, love the venue, love everything about it, love the people in Green Bay, love, love the smell of the stadium. When you walk into that stadium, oh, man, it's what I smell is – beer and brats every time and and i'm telling you they need to make a candle called beer and brats somebody get on that jacob get on that dude. i know you're listening to this get on that right now get the patent on it let's 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 get you know complete trademark rights and we're gonna have a beer and brats candle we're gonna sell it packer net podcast beer and brats candle that would probably be pretty disgusting probably smell like a a fat dude with a shirt off screaming at lambo you know what i'm saying but anyway that's the show, guys. Thank you so much for listening. As always, uh, thanks for hanging out with us. We uh, we definitely appreciate it, man. You could be uh, be doing anything in the world, and you're choosing to hang out with us, and and we definitely uh, we don't take that lightly, man. You guys are awesome. Thank you for the feedback, Jake. Thanks for the email, man. That was a another great topic, somewhat of a, a history segment, but more of a numbers approach. And man, Donald Driver, dude, what a career! What a career. That's I think it's safe to say it's a borderline Hall of Fame. Now, obviously, he's gonna have to wait a long time. But I wouldn't be surprised when I'm on a I'm on a walker here in about you know what forty years. Um, we look up and go, hey, Donald Driver made the Hall of Fame. Be kind of cool, right? But I think anybody who says no, no way, he's a Hall of Famer. I want to look at the numbers and look at the uh, look at all the qualifications, you know, because. Um, he, he checks a lot of the boxes, man. It's just so surprising. But, again, thanks for listening, guys. We're going to sign off there. As always, let's go out and be the change we want to see in the world. We will talk to you Saturday. Go Pack Go.